All right, welcome, welcome back, everyone. We just spent forty-five minutes recording a really epic conversation. So epic, only to realize it wasn't actually recording or live streaming, uh, as our initial intentions were. So, welcome. My name is Jordan Herbs. This is the Sovereign States of Mind podcast, where we explore the idea of sovereignty and what it means to reclaim authority over our own lives creating healthier mindsets for ourselves and future generations. With me today is the one and only Papa Infinite, yeah, yeah. Nicholas Jordan Moore, who has a memoir due out soon. When is it going to come September out? September 14th. September 14th. Um, might actually come out about a week earlier just because uh, of a printing reason. I'm trying to get a lot of copies so I can have them um, on hand. So, yeah. Somewhere around early September, mid-September. Sweet. Yeah. yeah, I've been reading it the last few days. You gave it to me at the beach. I'm almost done with it. And it's truly remarkable. Mm. I know I already told you this, but let me tell you again, Nick. Thanks, man. Uh, it's really touching. It, it's essentially the personal memoir of the quintessential all-American male. That's kind of what I, that keeps coming to my head like a movie. A boy and a religious family full of issues, serious issues, traumatic traumatic experiences the football player who needed to be tough strong hard and unyielding the young man trying to sleep with women and wreaking havoc in the progress the process the young professional hooked on his addictions and relational dependencies i can't put it down i have a feeling that it'll resonate with millions of american men out there mm -hmm. that grew up in very similar circumstances mm -hmm. I did not have the same exact experiences, but so many of the themes that come up mm. just mimic my life so, so much. And it, it really hits home just what I feel when I'm reading it. It's a page turner. Can't turn it down. It's, I'm always interested in what's happening next. I think it could have been more suspenseful if you wanted it to be, because that's how intense some of these topics are. <laughs> but I'm, I'm kind of glad it's not, <laughs> just because of what that... that, that drama mm. could have it's kind of like a workbook you have reflection questions at the end and you bring up these things that happen and we read your story and then you ask us has this type of thing ever happened to you and i'll be the first to admit i gloss over those questions because i tell myself i don't have the time to think about them <laughs> but while i'm reading them i have all these just memories trigger up mm. like Oh, man. Yeah, I remember that. Oh, man. And for the most part, I've fully forgiven myself, and I, the past is the past. Mm -hmm. And I always think it's interesting when, like, one little thing mm -hmm. still can grab me, and that happened a couple times. Mm. Did you get that while you were writing this? Was there something, like, holding on to that needed to be released? Um, Definitely. And there still is. You know, I'm still at this point where, you know, this is the first time i'm probably really publicly going to come out and talk about some things in my family some very deep heavy things um so this is a turning point today um i'm constantly reevaluating constantly trying to reflect and see what uh, i don't want to look at you know because the only way and like you said you know you don't want to you read those questions you kind of zoom past them but things are coming up they don't really want to look at. Um, and it's a thought that we can just keep going in life and these things aren't going to come back to bother us. Like, all right, I did something terrible back then, but then I never talked about it, never told anybody about it. I'm just never going to do anything like that again. 
it's kind of weird how these things just repeat themselves. And the only way that we can truly heal from these experiences or actually grow from you know what we did is if we can actually honestly reflect on what happened what was our mindset like how did that happen and yeah because if we don't look at the past if we don't look at the truth we're never gonna find it and we're never never gonna find that healing um i want to ask you what the most intense thing to write about was in that regard but first i just want to finish the introduction as us as males we grow up in our society having to hide our vulnerability in order Mm -hmm. to appear strong to appease our fathers be cool in front of our friends we royally screw up because of alcohol or some other drug and we learn the easy lessons the hard way (laughs) but finally we begin discovering the truth about ourselves only to learn that our society shuns us for mm-hmm. it or our, our beginning, our family, our community that we're raised in. Mm-hmm. And then we go through this kind of shift where we have to break off and you very markedly become your own person with a passion and slowly start posting these videos <laughs> on Facebook, which I saw a few months ago, I think, or a year ago, I was looking, I don't know if you still do it. Do you yeah, still yeah, do it? Yeah. You still do it. I don't do it every single day, but yeah, I do it. Yeah, and I, and I yeah. saw, I was like, what is this guy doing? It's great. I love how much fun he's having, but I never understood it until I read your book. Yeah. So that said about the vulnerability we have to hide, what was the <clears throat> most like extreme point of going into your vulnerability sharing? What was, what was There's it? a couple things that come to mind. Um, the first one is what really set off the chain of events for me to really be open about all the not fun things and not things that I'm too proud of that have happened in my life or that I've done. Um, But the one that really turned everything was going back to when I was 16 and when I lost my virginity. Um, I was with someone that I loved for over a year we had been talking about sex, like I was all about, I just wanted to lose my virginity so bad because that's how you show yourself that you're a man. And that's how you show your friends that you're a man. That's the only way. I gotta, I gotta be a fighter, I gotta sleep with women, and I gotta make money. That's how, that's how I'm gonna become a man. Um, so yeah, in high school, you know, you don't wanna be the last of your friends to lose the virginity, you know, like, you gotta be Obviously. one of the first ones. You gotta be the up there. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, this girl that I was in love with, you know, we talked about it a lot and yeah, she wasn't ready. And, um, one day, um, I kind of took more initiative and tried to be a little bit more convincing and thought that I had somewhat gotten consent with a, with some silence after being told no and stop. And, um, you'll read exactly how it went down. Um, but yeah, the first time I had sex, it, it wasn't fully consensual. And it's something that haunted me. Like, I felt so terrible about it. I mean, right after my you know, satisfactory release and she starts crying, I'm devastated. I mean, I love this girl and she's crying. I'm like, oh my God, what just happened? I couldn't make sense of it. I mean, like, I never thought I was even capable of ever doing something like that. Like, I was a good kid. And like, did I just rape my girlfriend? Like, I, I couldn't make sense of it. And, you know, later that night, she, you know, felt responsible somewhat as well. She said that she could have stopped me. And, you know, the only way that we could make everything better was just to have consensual sex that night. And that's what we did. But as much as I tried to black that out and just act like it never happened, like, all right, now we're in sex. Like, everything's fine. We stayed together for three and a half years. Only reason why I broke up with her is because my brother told me not to bring a girlfriend to college. 
took that advice. And she grew up Church of Christ, which is, don't know how much you know about that, but that's incredibly strict. And if you get have sex before you're married, you're going to hell. If you get divorced, you're going to hell. All sorts of very, very strict things. They don't dance. They don't, there's no music. Um, they can sing, but no music. Um, so after I left, she, you know, was thinking that, okay, if I don't marry the guy that I lost my virginity to, I'm going to hell. And like, her life just spiraled out of control. And I felt a lot of guilt and responsibility for her um, going forward in life. So when you ask, you know, the, the most difficult thing for me to write about, that was number one. Like if I, if I can talk about that, if I can bring that up, everything else should be easy. You know, like if I can admit that I, you know, pretty much raped and you call it whatever you want but it was a form of rape and the first time that I even slipped inside of her when it wasn't an accident because you know when you're teenagers and you're doing things but you're not having sex and you know you're using all sorts of parts and like sometimes it slips in and the accident is okay like okay it slipped in it was an accident but as soon as I started accidentally slipping in you know like when it wasn't truly an accident where i know kind of where i'm at and i'm just trying to get a little more than what she's willing to give me that's rape right there and really like coming to terms with that and like i wasn't respecting the the female body and i just wasn't respecting females in general and you know that's a learned um behavior um you know my dad didn't respect my mom ever growing up and, you know, my dad was the man in charge. But, um, you know, I loved my mom and I never thought that I would be able to hurt a woman in that way. Um, I was a mama's boy. So it was, it was very, very difficult knowing that, you know, I was capable of doing something uh, that I didn't think I was capable of. Um, so to answer your question, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit on one more thing and the other a real hard one to write about was the airport thing, which we talked about on the first. <laughs> we'll talk about that again. Minutes, and I'm really we'll, we'll get back to it. Now that we're streaming live, I'm wondering if we'll get kicked off for talking about that. But it's important. Never so know, yeah. we'll get there. And I mean, maybe we should just push those buttons while, we, while we're on the subject. So Let's get it. I have a list of topics that came up for me that were very similar in my life in whichever way. And Christian sex is what I wrote down here. <laughs> And you just kind of summed it up. But for me, very similar in the sense, I didn't I didn't have any non-consensual sex. I didn't have any sex because to me, I thought I believed some way, somehow, that it hurt the woman. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> that it was only for pleasure of the man. Pleasure mm. I couldn't even imagine. But for some, and my parents didn't tell me this. I'm not mm. blaming this on my parents. Mm -hmm. But for some reason, I thought that it was all just a one-way street. And it was all for men. Mm. So I was always like, well, I never want to hurt anyone like that. Like, why would I, you know, and all my friends are all into it. Um, same thing for my friends. Oh, I got to third base or whatever. I'm like, well, why would you want to do that? <laughs> There's a lot of naivety. And I think a lot of my friends avoided mm. talking about it with me because I, I can be very just like hard open, but stupid <laughs> in a lot of things. And I kind of still am in some ways. You're a little blonde. It's all right. Yeah. But even to when I was still a Christian a few years after high school, it, and having these new girlfriends and same kind of thing slip it in don't slip it in except it was me saying no not the girl 
and no, no, uh, no traumatic experience. I never shared that kind of thing with anyone, but I did share the shame mm. and the guilt mm. that I imagine the girlfriend you had at the time felt. I mean, not even from the intercourse itself, but just the shame and guilt we have growing up in such a society where you're not supposed to experience this joy and love with someone else. And mm. it's supposed to be, I agree, it's supposed to be something sacred, mm. but, but the terms of that sacredness coming from some organized institution mm -hmm. that tells your family to disown you if you break the rules like it it causes a lot of trauma mm -hmm. to keep shame it. guilt and did shame and guilt just sits in the body like a sickness and you're gonna mm -hmm. try to do whatever you can to wash that down and that's where a lot of addictions come from uh is that people beat themselves up they don't like themselves because of all these things that in society they're supposed to be ashamed of and that's not good or not right or or just whatever it might be and you know I, I said this in the first one i'm not sure i said this this time but um my goal for my book is to help people feel more comfortable in their own skin um, by reading my story you're going to read about things that you have read about things that are really embarrassing that you would think that oh my god i would never want to tell a soul that and some of it is <laughs> <laughs> but it's a testament to the power of vulnerability now my life and my book are living proof of the power of vulnerability um not everyone needs to write a book and tell the entire world that they jacked off in a airport parking lot and lost their, their special, <laughs> yeah. lost their job which i don't know how deep we'll get back into that one as we did in the first 45 minutes but we can but, but read the book because well. it's a hilarious story and in the context of where you were at in your life at the moment yeah practicing celibacy yeah you know you think you're supposed to get you know everything by then you're like you know i'm uh, i had my awakening so i don't do stupid things anymore yeah. like you still and so i say stupid things you know not stupid it's just human things you know or Let's touch on that again. Let's yeah. touch on that again. Okay. So it's a it's a it's a book about vulnerability. It's written, I believe, for for men. But you've told me as well, a lot of value came for, for dude. For I have had more women than anything like come to me that like my book has really helped them because it's helped them understand more of the masculine side and like many women. I mean. Most women, I would assume, have been in some sort of situation with a man where they felt oh yeah, like they were taken advantage of. It's traumatizing. Yeah. So, you know, there's these gender roles that just come with automatic things. Like, we're bigger, we're stronger, we're... And they want us to be happy. Like, it's this weird... Especially when there's love involved. And it's like... It's, it's really, really confusing. But, um... What you do in the book and lay it out, I can, it makes sense why women would find value in that mm -hmm. because it helps put, wrap their mind around how a man thinks mm -hmm. and feels. Mm -hmm. Because I think maybe we only get one or the other sometimes, or women get only get one or the other because we're kind of like, I'm doing this or I'm doing this. And the societal pressures of our peers, that's something that a lot of them don't really realize is like how much emphasis, at least in my generation, you know, was putting towards... You gotta you know, lose your virginity. Like, right. if you don't lose your virginity in high school, you are a loser. Like, you, are, you are not cool. <laughs> like, <laughs> so it's this whole, yeah, it's this story that we we make up that that's 
that's part of manhood. That like, all right, having sex is uh, that's one of the check marks to become a man. Right. And, right. So there's these rites of passage, <clears throat> as it were, that you go through in this book until you have a point of waking up, mm-hmm. I guess. And the trigger for that. Sure. So. About seven years ago, uh, I think it's been a little bit over seven years now, uh, I called CPS on my dad. Um, I believe that my dad is a pedophile. Um, I believe that he sexually molested um, people in my family. Um, Just because there are a lot of people that especially on you know the Instagrams, Facebooks that have direct connection with my family. Um, I'd like to avoid easy access. Um, actually, last night I just removed uh, my dad as my dad on my Facebook. You know, the family members. I removed all my family members. And it's not that I think that removing him is going to not allow people to find out who he is or contact him. Um I'm sure my dad will receive some flack. I mean, it's just natural. But what I want my readers to hopefully come to the conclusion is that not have any anger towards my dad. My dad is not a good man, and he's done some terrible things. Um, But my dad's also a good man at the same time. You know, there's some great aspects of my dad. Uh, I'm really grateful for the childhood that I had, even though there was this dark cloud over it the entire time that I, I was trying not to see. And now I've been able to see. Um, but as far as coming out and actually saying it publicly, um, my books was going to be my first time to do that. And I'm doing it right now. And I'm actually coming out and saying it. And um, I love my dad. Uh, I know that's going to be hard for a lot of people to hear, uh, but my dad has to be him for me to be me. Um, I was super depressed when I went through this process, so I was pissed off at God. Like, why would a good God allow pedophilia to exist? Why would a good God allow such terrible things to happen to me in my life if I'm, I've been trying to do good? Yeah, I did some fucked up things we all do fucked up things but i still thought that i was a good kid i got i always tried to do the right thing and it doesn't matter how hard you try to do the right thing you're gonna do the wrong thing sometimes um but at this point i I had been trying to make things right with what happened when i was 16 you know with me and my girlfriend losing the virginity I, i was trying to make that right and then this led me to this deep truth about my family and at this point, I'm pissed off at God. I'm like, what the fuck? Why would, why would a good God do this? And I was teaching geometry at the time. I was a high school geometry teacher and football and baseball coach. And a friend of mine had experimented with a molecule called DMT about a year prior to this. When I first heard about it, I was not interested at all. They said it was the molecule that they thought released when you die. And first of all, I was like, okay, my scientific brain, I'm like, you can't know that. That's impossible. You can't know for certain that this is the molecule that releases when you die. So no thanks. Second of all, I wasn't depressed. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'll just wait until I die to find out what happens. But fast forward, I moved in with my parents. I 
witnessed something that led me to believe that my dad is who I believe he is. And um, then I am pissed off at God. Like, I'm pissed off at the world. Like, what, what the fuck is the point of all of this? And so then I'm like, all right, I, I didn't, wasn't interested in DMT back then. Now I'm interested. Now I want to know answers. I, I need more answers. Um, and rewind a little bit. About a month or two before I extracted my, my DMT was the first time I did my own mushroom trip. It was my first time I ever really experienced mushrooms. And the whole night, I felt like I was in a fight with God. Mm. I remember walking to a park with some friends. I found a bicycle. I remember chunking the bicycle, you know. Towards God? Yeah, I was just mad. <laughs> I just like, had this energy. Like My third eye had opened. I was having closed-eyed visuals. So, like There was things happening. I was an- asking all these questions that I hadn't been asking before. That was the first time I actually asked myself, who am I? I remember laying down on my back porch just asking myself that question. I'm crying and... So you and got now, to that question by the end of the Well, that was trip. right at the beginning of the trip, the actually. But at the end of the trip, I'm looking in the mirror more suicidal than I'd ever been in my life. Like, mm-hmm. we, we got home from the park. We're like, everybody's done tripping. All right, let's go to bed. I remember looking in the mirror, and I was fucking had it. Done with God. Like, there is no point in being alive. This is wow. bullshit. All you're doing is just putting us down here to kick me in the nuts the whole time. Oh like, I'm not dealing with this shit anymore. So... Instead of committing suicide, I remembered about this molecule. My friend told me about that. Hey, this is the molecule they think releases when you die. Now I'm like, sure, I'll try anything. So I figured it out. I I looked up some things online, talked to my friend, got the materials, and I ended up extracting my own DMT. A little bit of Breaking Bad because I'm a high school geometry teacher making DMT in my kitchen. Um... But I won't go deep <laughs> in into Texas. that. Yeah, I won't. I won't go deep into that exactly how this experience went down. But I went in, pissed off at God, came back, absolutely happy. <laughs> all right, God, like, why would you allow pedophilia to be a thing? Why are all these terrible things in the world? What the fuck? What is the point of all this? And I came back and. I knew innately that my dad had to be him for me to be me. I knew that I was given some information. I knew I was given something. I didn't know I was going to be writing this book. I didn't know that I was going to be moving to Hawaii. I didn't know I was going to do the self-love videos. I had no idea any of what my path was going to be like. I just knew, holy shit, everything's fine. You got to have the dark to have the light. My dad's the dark. I'm the light. And we pedophilia is one of the worst things that any of us can ever think of like it's we put that on the same pedestal or same uh level as you know like hitler like maybe even worse than hitler like mm-hmm. um i mean those are really at that heavy state, i don't think there's a comparison right yeah. it's just like you go down that end of the spectrum it's yeah. like holy moly like just... it's a whole other thing we don't even want to look at it. we don't want to talk about it because it's just yeah. that yeah that messed up and I wouldn't be who I am if my dad wasn't who he was. And that, I think, is the most integral, foundational step to reclaiming our own sovereignty, mm-hmm. is take responsibility for who you are. Mm-hmm. Separate that and me. Make boundaries. Mm-hmm. And then realize that it's okay. Mm-hmm. Things are as they are. 
mm-hmm. but I'm still me and I'm not going to let those things affect me emotionally, ruin my day, ruin my well-being. Like I already did that mm-hmm. for too long. I imagine you felt kind of attached to your mm-hmm. father mm-hmm. and almost taking, not, resp- not, not, not taking it personally, but feeling it strongly that it's something for you to share. Yeah. And I think in the book, the cycle of it would eventually let go of it. You mm-hmm. tried. Mm-hmm. You called CPS, mm-hmm. you tried talking to your family, you tried to act out of love, and eventually no one responded, essentially, not mm-hmm. in a way that would take action. Mm-hmm. So there you were. And I think this is what sometimes we have to deal with when we are becoming our own individual, mm-hmm. when we're becoming ourselves, when we're opening up to who we really are, when we were becoming more sovereign. Mm-hmm. And that's what we talk about on this podcast mm-hmm. and we're excited to have anyone listen to this if you want to be part of the conversation please join in because everyone's got a unique experience everyone's got a unique voice what we try to talk about on the sovereign states of mind podcast is how the world works how society works how food works how we work and how we can gain more and more independence and autonomy from any external influence whether that's states the cook the government corporations bad relationships. How do we become more sovereign in the world today? That's what we talk about in this podcast. You can find us on YouTube, search for A Family in Paradise. Our YouTube channel documents how we're becoming more sovereign, growing food, building a homestead, raising chickens, bees, kids, (laughs) all of the above. And you can find it on any podcast app. If you're enjoying what you hear, these are the topics. So I have a list of things that I wrote down as we, as we as I was reading, and we talked about the, some of the Christianity stuff. The quintessential American upbringing I thought was really interesting. The, the college, the college long-distance girlfriend, mm. uh, the double standard, I guess, as it were. I think you probably, if you're a man listening to this, uh, in our generation at least, probably have a similar story about having a girlfriend where you weren't exactly truthful uh, or faithful because it didn't matter. It was okay because she loved you and she was always going to be there. And there is a long winded story with the character in your book, Carmen, the ex girlfriend. And she was kind of always your love. And as you went away to high school or to college, you were kind of together, but not at times. And you cheated on her, didn't talk about it. Do you think this was because? Well, I guess it's kind of two separate questions. But first, I was like, do you think you owed her her something for what happened? Is that why you kept this relationship going for so long? I I really did love her. Uh, I mean, she, I said this earlier, and I say it in my book, the only reason why I broke up with her is because my brother told me not to bring a girlfriend to college. Mm -hmm. Um, Until I came to Hawaii and fell in love with the girl Rose in my book, I honestly had not been that deeply in love since high school, even in my marriage. Like wow. I was married for a year, but I was just like really wanting that to work. And you read how that worked, but we didn't never really like fall deeply in love. Like, you know, the first love, it's kind of hard to compare that. Sometimes we were together for three and a half years. That's a long time. Um, and so the second part of that is the dishonesty. Yeah. How does dishonesty enter the equation when we're in love? Where does that come from? Nick? Uh, it's learned <laughs> behavior, <laughs> you know, like, um, I was selfish, you know, and as growing up in a very patriarchal society, like the, in my mind, like I was just being a man, like I'm like, it's okay. Like 
it's not okay for them to do things. It's okay for me to do things because I'm a man. Like I, the way that I be a man in this world is to prove my dominance over women and make money and get into fights. That's how I can prove that I'm a man. And those things in my head really shaped a lot of my decisions, you know, in my life. Um, even though I loved Carmen, did I respect her as much as I respect myself? Definitely not. I mean, I, I, back then, if you'd asked me that, sure, I probably would have thought that, no, I'm a good dude. I care about her. And I did love her. And I was a nice guy. Um, you know, in my book, it kind of seems like in my relationships, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't the best to be on the other side of the relationships, but, and I've gotten word back from a lot of the people. Carmen was actually the first person to read my book. Oh yeah. Uh, before it was finished, it was just a rough draft at that point. That's beautiful. But, um, yeah, I have good relationships with people that I have, you know, the women that I have had relationships in the past, they, they haven't felt wronged or anything. Mm -hmm. Um, even though, I did some really terrible things and like didn't treat them the best. But again, like you said earlier, if they don't know, it doesn't hurt them. And that was a lot of how I functioned. Um, I learned how to keep secrets and lie, you know, in my childhood. Um, but again, um, the whole not seeing my parents on even playing fields growing up, like really seeing that, all right, my dad mm. is the boss. My mom's the sweetest woman in the world. I can try to like get yeses from her if I don't like, you know, kind of play the system a little bit. But when you're growing up with that and you have that different standards for parents in your mind, well, automatically you're not going to respect women as much as you respect women, men, you know, in your life. I mean, it's just, even though I love women and I care about women, but because that's how that balance was in my life, like that's, you know, that's my normal. Generations and generations <laughs> right. of human beings like this, yeah, right. in, our, in our culture. And we're really trying to balance that back out. Um, you know, some people have said we, all right, we're swinging too far onto the feminine side. I don't think that that's possible because we've been so far on the masculine side for so long. So we need actually to go a little bit more extreme on the the feminine side which i think we, we're trying to we're kind of teetering on especially around as, here yeah <laughs> you know you come to big island hawaii you're gonna yeah the feminine is a very very strong power on so we so this patriarchy if you will kind of creates a double standard i noticed also in your explanations of that relationship and others but mainly that one was Kind of like knowing you have the support, the safety net back there. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, she loves me. It's cool. I can always, like, marry her later. Mm -hmm. I won't be like... And then when you finally kind of lose her, you're, like, distraught because she had been your safety net for years. Mm -hmm. And so within that picture, there's jealousy. Mm -hmm. There's victimization. And as I got out of your writing, it's all a cycle that must be recognized to get out of. Mm -hmm. Well, that's what I wrote down from seeing it. Like, we just keep these cycles of jealousy and victimization going with all the girlfriends we get, uh, <laughs> with all the times we fall in love, until we recognize that cycle and break out of it and take responsibility for how we feel, for who we are. Yep. 100% true, man. And that, it's, you know, it's a very good way to kind of talk about everything. Because the only way that we're actually going to grow is if we can actually look at the stuff that we don't want to look at. 
Yeah. And that's a big part of my message and my story. It's like, all right, let's say that, you know, I believe in multiple lifetimes. I don't know if, how all the viewers feel about that, but. Like past lives. Yeah, past lives. And, you know, there's going to be more lives after this. But if I wouldn't have come to terms with what happened when I was 16, that, okay, I raped my ex-girlfriend. You know, like that happened. I'm, I'm willing to admit this is exactly how it happened. I felt terrible about it. These are all things. Well, if I just shoved that down for the rest of my life and that never came out, I never talked about it, never did anything about it. It'll come back. It will 100% come back in some form or fashion. If not in this lifetime, it's going to come back in another lifetime. So if something happens that you have shame or guilt about, that you feel bad about, something you did or something in your past doesn't matter how long ago whatever when you were a kid anything if you don't want to repeat that whether it be in this lifetime the next whatever you've got to confront it and when i say confront it it's not just mean like think about it for two seconds and then swipe it away let it go just like i'm swiping away this microphone (laughs) but find someone that you trust Find someone that you know loves you, that they're hopefully you feel like they're not going to judge you. Judge you or say, uh, later. <laughs> She's like, what the fuck? You did that? Oh, my God. Like, anybody that reacts that way is not comfortable with themselves. If they're reacting that way to any sort of news that something bad that you did, it's because they have not looked at themselves and they're not healing their, like, their stuff that they haven't dealt with. Any sort of shame and guilt that they're projecting towards you is their own shame and guilt. So if you can find someone that you feel comfortable with, the trust that you can actually say, I'm like, hey, I know this going to Sam with blue. Let's like have lunch. I just need somebody to talk to. I just want to tell somebody this and talk about it. Just let them know. And dude, it's a really interesting concept, the vulnerability. I read a book by Brene Brown called Daring Greatly. It's been probably about 10 years before I was actually married. But this book had a profound impact on the way I understand vulnerability. If we think about ourselves, like Jordan, you think about yourself coming on a podcast, going on Facebook, and telling the whole world that you raped your girlfriend when you were 16. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh my God, everyone's going to hate me. Nobody's ever, I, I'm not going to have any friends. Like it's, uh, I'm, I'm a terrible person. My life's over. I can never tell anyone that, but you see someone else do it. You now you see me do it. You, you know, I write a book about it and I'm trying to public. I'm trying to get this out to the world. Tell you're, everybody. You're forcing it. You're <laughs> yeah. feeding everyone. Yeah. It's like, oh, oh my God, that person has courage. Like, that person's courageous. Like, oh, my God. Like, that's awesome. Like, you see somebody up on stage talking about how they suck dick for crack or whatever. Like, man, that person is courageous. That's funny, though. Right. (laughs) But we think about ourselves doing it. I can never tell anybody about me jacking off in an airport parking lot. Oh, my God. That is, like, no. No one will ever be my friend. I am just a a pervert and just, you know, I'm just, you know, all these stories in our heads. But... Well, certain things may not meant to be shared publicly because, it's true. like, jacking off in the airport parking lot. Okay, like, whatever, yeah. dude. You're not hurting anyone else, <laughs> right? But when it comes down to to yeah. other people involved, yeah. And it's it's 
you know what, what do they say like wear your wear your vulnerability on your sleeve or whatever it mm-hmm. is like you, you just got to own it all these things can only be used to hurt you if you hide from it mm-hmm. keep secrecy and i feel like that's what we see on a macro scale of the world today like whether it's politicians or just elites mm-hmm. things coming out that these people aren't as clean as we thought <laughs> as they make it seem to be but there's just this denial mm-hmm. where then we have this new form of media like podcast like joe rogan is a good example mm-hmm. like you fuck up own it mm-hmm. and then it's over <laughs> and boom mm-hmm. and this is something i'm so grateful mm-hmm. that you're putting out there and we all need it and it's even someone like me who believes I'm awake or whatever, and I'm, I'm, I'm on top of myself, it's just so refreshing to read it. Mm. And for someone that may not feel that way, it'll be refreshing to read. It may be a bit more difficult to read. Mm. I'm not sure. There is a level of disconnect when you're reading a book mm. because it's, I'm not, you're not telling me the story directly, right? It's just words on a page. If you like my voice, you'll also be able to download my Audible book in about a month. So right. put that out there. Yeah, cool. <laughs> Audible. Audible.com. Yeah. Audible sponsors all the podcasts too, right? So I gotta, gotta get on that. So uh, the dad relationship. Mm. Uh, I'm a man now. For me, it wasn't uh, ever a tough thing, like fighting each other. We never had that in my family. For me, it was getting tattoos. Mm-hmm. Um I remember I got the first one, I came home, and he's like, you're going to regret that one day. Like, that's going to be with you forever. It was something like that, because those were his beliefs. But it was my way of saying, you know, fuck you, Dad, I'm my my own person now. And you have that moment coming home from Christmas Eve with your parents in the truck, and you were going to go out to play with your friends. And they were like, no, you're staying home. And you're like, what are you talking about? I'm 24 years old. I'm not staying home. I'm 19, yeah. Whatever it was, you were moved out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're like, no, you don't have the rules anymore. And that is another, just the quintessential story, right? (laughs) I'm not a kid anymore, damn it. I'm doing what I want to do. Even though when you're 19, you think you know everything, but and we gotta. You know much. I know you have the thing with your dad, but we gotta give credit where credits due. I like to say lately, like learning lessons the hard way is a really great lesson to learn. Even though it would be great to just listen to what my dad told me half the time. <laughs> I remember him talking to me about money and finances when I was 21, 22, and I was in my mushroom phase. <laughs> And like, it doesn't matter, Dad. Like, it's all just about the here and now. Like, he's like, well, one day you might want to have a house, and you might. Uh, you don't want to have kids. I'm like, it doesn't matter, Dad. Here we are. Yeah, here we are. Uh, so yeah, that dad relationship, and the I guess it's in Greek mythology as well. I forget who Zeus's father was. It was like Uranus or something like that. But he castrates him. I believe it was Zeus. Someone can fact check this story, but it's one of these stories where most, the I god got, castrates his dad. I got a message a few days ago that. Uh, was castrated by my dad in a in a metaphorical way that like me growing up it was always okay for him to be angry but i couldn't be angry Hmm. and Hmm. i was given some guidance that so i have some issues with my prostate which you know or you'll read more about it at the end there's some more stuff that's about to come up about my prostate but um she's saying that that's 100 percent linked to me being castrated and not being able to be angry um she's told me that i need to release that anger and i don't feel a lot of anger i know that there's you know there's definitely some that's probably still deep down that um i'm still working through um but she said that my book and even this podcast is the first time that i'm really you know i called cps seven or eight years ago 
that's calling CPS, calling somebody. But now I'm really putting out in public that, hey, this is my story. This is what I believe my dad has done. You know, this is this is where I'm at. So this is really my way of finally not being castrated. But did you just bring that up is a really interesting thing because literally I heard this three days ago that I was told that that's where I'm at in my healing journey and that I need to release this and get my story out. And I'm really grateful that we're doing this today. So I appreciate you, man. Yeah. 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 Well, just a note on that story is my my Greek mythology professor. That was the only class I liked in (laughs) my first year of college. That is an archetypal story. Mm. Castrating your father. Mm. Uh, And it's a way of just, you know, breaking it off. Mm -hmm. And that always stuck with me because yeah, it happened to me. Mm. Um, just a quick question. You're about to go on a podcast tour. Mm-hmm. How many of these podcasts know that you're going to talk about raping someone? <laughs> I guess that they will all get my book prior and they'll have the opportunity to read my book. And if they don't, and, it's... <laughs> well, yeah, I'm going to really let them be the judge on... All right, they know their audience. You know, Is this appropriate for the audience? So if I'm on a podcast that's mainly talking about psychedelics well that may not be you know we might go there i don't know it's going to be up to that host um really how deep do we want to go in this podcast because there's lots of different things that we can talk about with my vulnerable story um i hope honestly i hope that all the people that i do have podcasts with are willing to go that deep because these are things that we really got to talk about if we're going to heal um Again, it's a really, really messed up thing, but there are thousands and thousands of people that have done this, been in the same sort of weird, sticky, yes, no, weird, happened quick type of things that they need someone to talk about because they can't talk about it. So I want to be there to let's talk about it. And And just a note on that, too, and this goes for all sexes, anyone partaking in the victimization of it, mm-hmm. there is definitely something to be said for things happening against our will, being coerced, and there's something to be said for being confused, mm-hmm. and there's something to be said for having passion sweep over us, whatever, on both sides of the aisle here. Mm-hmm. But there's something about our culture today, especially online, that like praises victimization, mm-hmm. where it's like instead of talking about it and getting to the bottom of it and seeing we can find healing together Mm -hmm. it's about pointing fingers Mm -hmm. it's about saying oh well this thing happened to me well this thing happened to me and it's kind of bizarre hopefully it'll pass because more and more energy like what you're putting out more and more intention Mm -hmm. like you're putting out i i'm starting to recognize online and even becoming a little bit more mainstream i mentioned joe rogan earlier Mm -hmm. and these kinds of things are super important to dive into Mm -hmm. and uh, just for closure on that topic, so if anyone is concerned about what we're talking about and even kind of smiling about as we talk about our own experience in these situations, how is Carmen now regarding that rape situation? Uh, she's doing really well. So I don't keep in contact with her directly. I keep in contact with her brother. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's remarried to a nice guy. And oh, cool. she's already had another baby. I think she might have had two more kids. So she might have four kids now. So is that downward um, spiral over? Because yeah, it lasted yeah, a yeah, long yeah. time. In yeah, the book. it lasted a long Years. time. As soon as she got out of that relationship, that's when she began her healing journey. She still had a lot. I mean, she's still on her healing journey. We're always We're on always. Her yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't be here if I wasn't still healing. Yeah. Um, so it's really 
great for me to know that you know she's doing well. I hope that one day she feels comfortable enough in her marriage and with my book coming out and it all becoming public that you know I'd love to like host her and her family to come to Hawaii one day and like mm. show them around. Like she's so important to me. I mean, of course, like we don't we're not in contact and I know she's fine, but like the role that she's played in my life, like it makes me want to cry just um because she suffered and endured so much. And of course that's her karma, that's her dharma, that's what she's supposed to go through. Um but it's just human nature that when you know that you are the cause of some of it or a big part of it or whatever that might be it's just human nature to feel that like wanting things to be okay to like want her to be like everything to be okay mm -hmm. and um yeah i want that you know and i hope that you know things are as good as they seem um and I believe they are. She seems, you know, she found a good guy that really cares about her. And that's, mm. that's great. So cool. Yeah. There's something important about coming full circle with these things that haunt us. Mm -hmm. And for me, I, I don't, I want, I don't want to get into details, but I didn't have that kind of a situation, but I had a situation where I was drunk. There was some Adderall in my system. I had smoked a little weed and apparently I got up in the middle of the night and basically manifested as one of the spirits haunting my friend's mom. And I don't know, I wasn't there for it. I came to with her freaked out in, in this room and me standing in the door going, holding my heart, like, where's the bathroom? Where's the bathroom? Because I knew I had to pee. And mm. I like ran out and I found the bathroom. But told me the next day that I had come in and was just kind of like going like, ooh, and like just walking around her bed. Holy shit. And this is someone that had always had... Uh, men issues in mm -hmm. her life mm -hmm. different partners i don't know to what extent he was one of my best friends and unfortunately we're not really friends anymore because of that happening mm -hmm. and uh that happened in vietnam it turns out that that hotel we were in or that apartment complex used to be like a burial ground whoa yeah it was, there's some freaky stuff about the story and then I, I i went back to nepal after that and i told all of my nepalese friends because i had to share it because mm -hmm. i was so freaked out mm -hmm. and the only way i was like do i feel guilty here i didn't mm -hmm. do anything nothing happened mm -hmm. but like I, I knew i didn't need to do those drugs like that right mm -hmm. i was i thought i was beyond that mm -hmm. and they were like oh no congratulations I'm like what are you talking about like you were chosen to help someone deal with something mm. to figure it out mm. and i'm like that's really how you see this because I, I i think i just got too drunk <laughs> you know and, and they were like no this is really important and so depending on who i talk to like it's a different story and uh my friend's mom took it really well and like there was no bad blood but she's mm. chinese mm. and so she saw a monster mm. uh smiling from ear to ear like mm. a, like a, a joker smile mm. and it wasn't until i came to in my story that she saw it was me mm. So she told my friend, that was not Jordan. Wow. And we had known each other. I had stayed with them in Hong Kong before. Like, everything was groovy. Mm -hmm. And he, our stories lined up. Mm -hmm. He asked us separately. And he was freaked out. He was like, yo, I'm a, I'm a real estate guy. I don't believe in any of this. <laughs> like, yeah. Anyway, so that's my sharing of that vulnerability. Uh -huh. That's a vulnerable thing for me. It took me years to process. And it wasn't until I came full circle where I sent him a message. I'm like, mm -hmm. you know, I'm heartbroken mm -hmm. that this had to come between our relationship. But I understand if she's like freaked out around me. And that's it. We got to close the loop sometimes. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the hardest thing we have to do is the only thing we can do to close that loop. <laughs> and so once again, I appreciate you writing this book, yeah. brother. It's, it's a powerful book. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. And 
doing big things. You gotta. There are no sponsors for this show. So if you find anything of value in here that you're listening to, your tips and donations are appreciated. Uh, on YouTube and the podcast, there are links in the show notes to different ways you can do that. You can also stream this episode on the Fountain podcasting app, which is pretty cool. You can make clips. You can also stream Bitcoin as you listen. And it's a nice community building app for podcasts. So I highly recommend it. Not a sponsor, but if you do find our show on there, then you can give us more exposure by listening to on that app. Another great way to support this show is to head over to SovereignStatesOfMind.com and become a monthly patron for as little as a dollar per episode, $4 a month. It's like Patreon. There's also a content creator membership I'm exploring, uh, which uh, the reason I'm doing these little spots with the guest here is because I want the guests to hear what I'm trying to do here and build a community around this. But this content creator membership would give you the rights to use and publish the highlight clips I create. So I create marketing material from these conversations. And if you think that your social media feed could benefit, if, you, if you're a film editor, you like making montages, something like this, I do believe we're creating a network here of people that want to see the world a more, a more beautiful place that's more community-driven, that's less about top-down control for how we think, how we eat, how we live, and more about just like coming together peer-to-peer and loving mm. and, and becoming sovereign individuals in the process of being one as a community. I think that's really important. So if you think any of these types of conversations could be good for your social media feed, you can check out SovereignStatesOfMind.com. So that was the second feed. I was telling Nick earlier that I'm exploring this. I'm sick of editing uh, these podcasts. So I thought, let's uh, let's do it live. And I'm just going to put in my little advertisements as we go. It's a little weird to interrupt, but thanks for bearing with me, everyone. I like the live <laughs> raw. Yeah. Uh, so we talked about the relationship as a safety net. Okay. When you started uh, the mushrooms and the DMT, you got really excited. Mm-hmm. And your ideology claim changed. You mm-hmm. started to claim Hinduism mm-hmm. as your religion. Do you still claim Hinduism I as your? It's all nothing. But in the beginning <laughs> yeah. there, you're like, wow, I, I resonate yep. with so many different aspects of this. It makes way more sense than a God that sends me to hell yeah. if I don't, if I don't live his, live the, the the church's way not even his way yeah. or the bible's way just the church's way i still love jesus right jesus, jesus is amazing <laughs> jesus is a great metaphor if nothing else yeah. it's a great story it's inspiring and we all can learn something from studying jesus mm-hmm. i'm fully with that there still to this day you mentioned on two page 258 uh something about what the dmt helped you understand about god you mentioned earlier you had been mad at god but what mm-hmm. the dmt and from how you explained it, in my eyes, the DMT helped you recognize the interweavings and the infiniteness of God mm-hmm. and that you are a part of that. Mm-hmm. And all that really is, is, is when we're living in this life, conscious, awake, we feel like we're a subjective entity. Mm-hmm. But then when we're in these entheogenic uh, experiences, we feel the oneness yeah. of it all. And that's kind of what became God for you. Mm-hmm. So... I can't say that I became everything, but I didn't know who I was anymore. I'm just in this white void and there's this noise happening and I knew I had control over the volume of the noise. So I turn it all the way up and I hear this boom. As soon as I hear this boom, I realized what I'd done is I broke the sound barrier. As soon as I realized that, I realized that the sound barrier was just an artificial limit 
In other words, you can't break God's eardrums. Like there are no limits, right? So as soon as I made that realization, I was like, oh my God, well, that makes sense. So that means that no limits are real. All these limits that we have are just artificial. And that one realization led to me understanding everything. And I realized I was still breathing. I realized I could take an infinite breath in, then an infinite breath out. And then I realized I didn't have to breathe. And that's when I sat in stillness for a moment. I can't say it was any longer than that or shorter than that. Uh, but I came back and again, I went in pissed off at God. Like I was like, what the fuck? Why would a good God allow so many things terrible to happen? Why would a good God create pedophilia? What good is that doing for anyone? Well, I came back and I knew with every single cell in my body that I was here for a reason. I'm going to do something good in this world. And I wouldn't be here unless my dad was who he is. I wouldn't be in this depressive state looking for answers. I wouldn't have extracted DMT. I wouldn't have done all these things unless my dad was who he was. I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know I was going to be writing a book. I didn't know that I was going to be the self-love guy on you know Facebook and Instagram that you know, doing self-love videos. I didn't know what my purpose was, but I knew that I was gifted something and that my dad had to be him for me to be me. That was like the most clear things that, all right, we've got to have the dark to have the light. You know, it's the yin yang. It's like, you know, we talk about, we got to have heartbreak to, to really know love. We got to have pain to really know pleasure. But when it comes to the macro things, we sometimes forget that. Like, why would God create Hitler? Why would God create pedophiles? Like, these are the worst, most disgusting things imaginable. Well, the only way that I can truly help bring light into the world to my maximum ability is I have to have my dad. My dad had to be who he was. My sibling had to endure what they endured. My niece had to endure what they endured. And it's like, why is this all nonsense? Why would any child need to go through those things? And it's really hard to swallow and it's really hard to understand. But when you're looking at the big picture all this suffering, all these these really hard, terrible things, something beautiful is going to come out of it. And as beautiful and as many people as my book's going to help, is that going to take away the suffering and the all the terrible things that my dad has done to people and with people? No, those, those things aren't going to go away. They're still there. Did they have to happen? Yeah. And did I, did we choose who they happened to? No. And like, I, I get, and I was talking about this the other day, I still feel a little bit of sadness and guilt and that my sister had to endure what she endured. Um, and again, this, these are my opinions and story. I don't have facts, but, um, she's in that role and she had to play that role 
You know, and there is only one experiencer. There's only one of us. As much as we we like to think that we're separate. Let's dive into that for a second. Because you mentioned breaking the sound barrier. That was it for you. Mm -hmm. And that's a powerful analogy. Because what is the sound barrier? I mean, sound itself might be different than light. Because sound can exist past light. Sound is like this vibration that like carries with us. And that's why like sound healing, I think, is really neat. In the big picture, light is sound. Like, cause there's <laughs> yeah, only... <laughs> well, because when you keep going. Yeah, there's so, only one thing. I guess what I mean to say is, for me, that experience was a box, a prism. Mm. Made, it was a mushroom trip. Mm. It was made of words. Mm. It was made of language. And mm. when I was, I was in the box, I was in pain. We had harvested a bunch of mushrooms all over San Francisco and then made a tea with lemon, 5-HTP, and ginger. Mm. And with those, we would be great. Empty stomach, 5-HTP, horrible reaction. <laughs> Only for me, not my friends. And I've always had... Sounds like a great reaction. <laughs> uh, well, well, I guess. Immediately, probably. I thought something was wrong. Oh, okay. But, I mean, that's just kind of what happens, too. When you're... <laughs> and so I was in pain for, I don't know how long it was. It felt like hours. And I was in pain. I tried to fight it. I tried to be a warrior, do warrior pose <laughs> in the shower. And then the like, tiles are like bleeding in. And I'm just in pain. Oh. And finally, finally, I just sank into a fetal position and cried because oh. I'm like, I can't fight this. Oh. And I just surrendered into what became was death. Mm. And when I finally like kind of realized what was going on, I don't know how long I was there, the kaleidoscopes, you know, just like the oneness of everything, I realized I got to get back. Mm. I'm supposed to catch the bus with my dad tomorrow <laughs> to get back to L.A. Uh, oh, my God, they're going to miss me. And suddenly I, I was back in this... I realized I was in a box of fear. Mm. I was in a box of language that Terrence McKenna talks about too sometimes. Like language is what creates these realities we think are so concrete. Mm. And then I was suddenly in pain again too, Mm. my stomach. I was like, I don't want to be here. I'm going to go there. And I left again. (laughs) And this time I was zooming up out of that box and I could see it. My whole reality was just made of words and the words I put to things. And so that for me was the sound barrier breaking because that's when I realized that there's something beyond the physics we understand Mm -hmm. of this universe. Mm -hmm. There is God. Mm -hmm. There is consciousness. Mm -hmm. There's pure existence Mm -hmm. past this experience of reality that we like to put words to to categorize and help work together in a shared shared hallucination. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So this gets a little, this gets kind of trippy, but I think it's an important way of conceptualizing what God means Mm -hmm. for anyone Mm -hmm. of any religion, Mm -hmm. really. I think that's where the core mean, the Mm -hmm. core idea of where, of what God is Mm -hmm. comes from. It's not like a man in the sky. It's something that exists beyond duality, beyond Mm -hmm. pain, beyond suffering. Mm -hmm. And it's just pure bliss. Mm -hmm. That's what I came out of it as it, as it ended. It was just pure bliss. And I'm like, this is what it is beyond behind it. This is what it is. Just (laughs) bliss. And then I was stoked and so excited, and I kept everyone up all night. While I was like, "This is my ideas. You got to hear about all this." We're infinite. We're we're 100 bliss all the time, but but we're, we're still also trapped here. over here. And it's so important. And that's what you have a great quote from Bonsai uh, in there. So you can't fight the changing of the seasons. The seasons yeah. Just enjoy them passing. Yep, yep, yep. Bonsai. Thank God for that guy. And so he's your guru. Tell us about him a little bit. Yeah. So. Um, that year that I made the DMT in my kitchen, I was a high school geometry teacher and a football and a baseball coach at Grapevine High School in Texas. Oh, wow. We're getting it's Also <laughs> where, um, what's his name? Post Malone. That's where he went to high school. Oh, right. That was long before I was there. But um, 
What were we gonna? The the guru, the guru bonsai. So one of the kids that I coached was a Hindu kid, and I did my first DMT experience, and I came back to school. I was like, I wanted something to match up with what I experienced. Like I come back to school, I'm like happy. I'm just trying to imagine so being in high school, and I have this one teacher that just comes in <laughs> with a completely new like. Dude, I saw him outside. Feel it. Yeah, I saw him outside the the locker room. I was like. Uh, his name's Vivek. Vivek, come here, man. He's a real smart kid. He published a book before his senior year in high school. So like, he went to Brown University. He just got uh, in the Forbes 30 under 30 or something like that. Cool. Yeah, so this kid's really awesome. But instinctively, I knew that he was Hindu. I didn't know anything about Hinduism, but I was like, I just did DMT. He didn't know what DMT was. But you told I, him that? You told yeah. your student? Your, Dude, he was your... a senior. He was a smart kid. Uh, like, okay. Was cool. I was open with he my was students. Indian? Yeah. Yeah, they're normally um, pretty open. Yeah, yeah, and he didn't know what DMT was, but yeah, he gave me a basis of what Hinduism, it's all an illusion. It was like, everything made sense. Maya. Like, yeah. <laughs> this is what I just experienced. Tell me more. And he said his grandpa was a yogi. <laughs> I didn't know what a yogi was, but he said his grandpa was a yogi. His grandpa was coming in town in a couple weeks. His grandpa also had the second most distributed Hindu book in America called The Hindu Mind. Mm. Um, so the next day he comes to school, he gives me his his grandpa's book. I'm reading that. I'm reading Autobiography of Yogi. Two weeks later, Bonsai, I could just Bonsai imagine, shows you coaching up. Football? Uh, this time I'm coaching baseball. I just yeah, imagine a baseball, high school baseball coach reading these Yogi books. It's hilarious. <laughs> I was literally sitting there at my desk, sitting there reading <laughs> Autobiography of Yogi. Um, yeah, but Bonsai showed up. I get to meet him. Like two weeks later, and literally the student was ready, teacher showed up, and there's three emails, maybe four, I think three emails, I don't know, from this guy named Bonsai in my book, where I'm needing direction, like I'm, just because you wake up doesn't mean that life isn't going to continue to be confusing and difficult. Just because you, you know that everything's fine in the big picture does not mean that you're not going to continue to ride, yeah. ride the waves and be confused and get heartbroken and and live. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All be the human. Things. Yep. So that never stops. As long as you're still here, it's going to keep on happening. Like Bonsai said, it's all about enjoying the changing seasons. So while you were embracing this kind of new ideology or this new openness towards ideologies, you were getting flack. Yep. Um, especially when I started making the new ideologies public on Facebook and Instagram uh, really started getting a lot of flack when I started the self-love. Um, people were really confused, and I get it. I grew up inside linebacker, like the meathead of the meatheads. Like I was the guy that never backed down from a fight, that tough guy, and you know I was the dude. You got something to take care of. Go talk to Nick. The dude's going to take care of it. I was the meathead. I can't even imagine. I (laughs) guess I could. I guess I could. I I was ready. And um, now, all these people that I went to high school with, all of a sudden, they're seeing me going to the mirror and (laughs) acting like a a girl, telling myself how much I love myself, how beautiful I am, how sweet I am. Just all these compliments, just all these affirmations. I thought of something along that regard. Yeah. Sorry for interrupting. Got I think it. that would be a great challenge to market your book. Uh, like 28 days, <laughs> love yourself in the mirror. I would do it. Dude. Because I know it would be good for me, and I would love to, for it to be a part. And I would love it if other people were doing it, too, like the ice bucket yeah. thing. So Rob Taylor tried to get people to oh, try yeah? to get on that, but he realized, which I kind of knew, 
it is way harder than like it's easy for me because I've done it you know, literally over a thousand what's times. Hard, what's hard about it? The the recording yourself like the, like doing uh, it without oh, the yeah. recording is like that's doable. Like okay, I can start there. I can tell myself I love myself in the mirror. Or like even you don't even have to say it out loud. It's like every time you see yourself in the mirror, try to remember to tell yourself you're doing great. I love you. You're you're doing you're awesome. Anything positive. Like, There's and it leads into something else, which I, I think you're about to get to. Um, I think so. It, it leads into the the bliss we can experience from just being a dork, being creative, being <laughs> yeah. weird, being ourselves. It's so incredibly freeing, and you can't really get that freedom and that level of bliss. Unless you're really willing to not give a shit about what other people think. There's no way that I would have been able to start doing these videos if I was worried about what my friends were going to think of me. Because no I knew yeah. that I knew that no they way. were going to be like, what the fuck's wrong with you, Nick? But my deeper knowing is just like, dude, yeah, I'm a goofy dude. I like to have fun. I, dude, Why every, hide that? We all, we're all children inside. What we think we need to be serious because we're 18 now. It's trying to be making a man money, make money, Paying no bills. more being funny, no more acting like a girl, no more, <laughs> you know, dude. The mirror is an incredibly powerful life uh, hack. The less you can take yourself seriously, the better. Because the more you take yourself seriously, the more you're taking everybody else seriously. That's not fun to be around. If you're like really serious with yourself, that life's all about, gotta do these things, dude. That's not a fun energy to be around, and that's just going to reflect everywhere you go. If you're hard on yourself, like if you're, dude, I have a friend that, and this is, uh, this was really sad when I, because this was right when I first started on this journey of the self love thing. And my friend took notice. He was like, dude, what are you doing? And I went to go see him, and we were hanging out, and he talked about his stuff. And, you know, we all have trouble sometimes with the person in the mirror. And dude, he's a in shape guy, he's a good looking guy. You would never think that he has these things. And he said that the next morning after eating a piece of chocolate cake, he can't even look at himself. That he just like mm. fat piece Makes of shit, sense. like disgusting piece of shit. It's like this these you know, we all have a little bit of vanity, whatever like, oh, you know, we we care it's just cause we like want to be loved is the main thing. But these foods have poison in them that make us, that block us from that self-love. But dude, I can eat, you can feed me poison and I'm not going to stop loving myself. Like, it's just because like... That's awesome. There's this... That's commendable. If, if you have the, that innate inside will that like, I'm going to love myself no matter what the fuck I do. I mean, dude... Yeah. I'm... People... You can call me a rapist because that's what happened when I was 16. I don't believe that we're defined by our past. I believe that the past will continue to define us unless we can actually look at it and be real about it and actually reflect on it and grow from it. If we don't look at it, we try to hide it, we're going to repeat that sometime. Whether it's in this lifetime or the next, if you're not willing to actually own up to something that terrible that you feel bad about that you have shame about that something happened when you were a kid whatever even when you're an adult we do fucked up shit all through our lives but if you don't want to do it again if you actually want to grow from it you have to be willing to look at it and that's a big part of my book is i want people to start looking at things that we don't feel comfortable looking at i want to share a story that's kind of giving me goosebumps right now it came up in my mind earlier when we were talking about past lives mm -hmm. and now it's coming back again, so I think I gotta share it. Uh, 
you mentioned the patriarchy. You mentioned this lack of respect towards women that has kind of been going on for a long time. Mm-hmm. And I recognize it. I have a wife. I have I have a wife. I have a partner. I've always had girlfriends. And I was talking to Shane yesterday, and we're talking about how like, reactions, you know, like true sovereignty is controlling your, yourself. Mm-hmm. How are you going to respond? Don't react. You know, mm-hmm. you have the, you're the only one with the choice mm-hmm. to change how you're feeling. Not that person over there. And so I was always an asshole to women, even my mom. Uh, That has been more or less healed with my mom, but Mm. something I've always explored. So we went to Peru. We were five months pregnant. I was really keen on doing some plant medicine work because I wanted to heal as much as I could from my past, so I thought, mm. as possible before becoming a father. I wanted to be as fresh and pure as possible for us. So I told my shamans everything, and they're like, great. So we're in Peru, we're in the Andes, foothills of the Andes, and we do a Wachuma ceremony. It's, it's San Pedro. It lasts like all day. Mm. She made this brew, we drank it in the morning, went on a little hike, then just like hung out in the yard. And it took time, but eventually I'm laying down and thinking about the night before, because my intention was, I want to be always treating my woman, my partner, with respect and love. Mm-hmm. My companion in this life, that's my mirror, my mirror of the goddess. How mm-hmm. am I treating the goddess, my goddess, within me? So I'm thinking about the night before, how I got mad in the kitchen about something stupid. <laughs> something really stupid. But, and I got triggered, and it wasn't a big deal. Like, it didn't turn into a fight, but I, that trigger, it like, overcame mm-hmm. me. Like, what the fuck? And I ended up like walking away or whatever. So I was going back in my mind to that and I sunk into it. And suddenly I was still in a kitchen, but I was holding a knife and I was pointing it at my partner. Hmm. And it wasn't a vision. It was real. Mm. It was a memory. Mm. It was a memory. Wow. And so I was scared. Mm. I came out of it, but I couldn't. I had to crawl back into it until, long story short, it became clear to me that this is what I hold on to from great, 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 great Mm -hmm. grandfathers for all I know. Mm -hmm. I believe it was more my great grandfather on my Hungarian side. He was a crazy alcoholic, beat his wife, uh, molested the children, all of the above. Mm -hmm. They had to run away from him in New York. They had to escape. And no one ever gave that guy any love. Like, he was defined by who he was, and I never heard anyone in my family ever talk good about him. I don't know much about him. But suddenly he was there. Mm. And suddenly my uncle, who had just passed, was there. My grandpa's on his deathbed. My dad was never there. But that whole generation was there suddenly with me. I'm going to mm. try not to cry right now. Yeah, you give me goosebumps. We were all there. I'm staring at the sky, and I'm seeing that I'm feeling them. I'm not actually seeing them, but they're in the clouds. They're with me, my ancestors. And all of a sudden, we're all embraced by this big hug, this big, overwhelming surge of love mm. and joy. It was my grandma mm. who had passed away two years before. And she was saying, There's nothing to forgive mm. because I love you that deeply. And that is what this archetype of these women that love us, Mm. assholes, are representing. (laughs) This pure, divine, goddess love. Mm -hmm. That no matter what you do, I will love you. And that was all inside of me tripping out, right? (laughs) That was all... all And 
yeah, I came back to my partner and we had, you know, we processed mm-hmm. through it and we talked. But this is like some real shit. And mm-hmm. they say you keep a lot of that in your hips, a lot of the past life stuff. And mm-hmm. men were known notoriously to have like tight hips. I don't I know if you went through that in yoga. My right hip is jacked. Yeah. And so I've always heard it say that we, we store a lot of some mm-hmm. past lives. I don't know how you can prove that. But, yeah. but anyway, it was such a real experience for me and it changed the way I perceived everything. And I believe for the better. It doesn't mean I don't slip up sometimes, but it, I definitely am a much different person. <laughs> yeah, we all do. So thanks for, I wanted to share that. Yeah, I, man, I, I appreciate like you sharing because, I mean, that's huge. It reminded me of Kuan Yin. I don't know if you know who Kuan Yin is, but it's a goddess that a lot of people really care about around here, but she's a goddess of compassion, and that's what she represents, and that's what immediately came to me when you told me about your mm-hmm. grandma. You know, just that compassion because... The love of a woman is something very, 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 very special for a man. And we take it for granted. Uh, we do take it for granted. Um, it's just that ultimate compassion. But I'm really hoping that men and women, I know that you, know, you say that my book resonates with a lot of men, but it also resonates with women as well in their healing path. And the reason why you may have thought that it resonates more with men is because like, you know, you're not really sure how, you know, because you are a guy. You don't know how a woman's going to read a lot of the stuff that right. I talk about. It's like, I don't know what a woman's going to think about this. And like me writing it, you know, I'm thinking that you know, I'm single when I'm writing this. So it's like, all right, the woman that I hope to find one day is going to read all this stuff about me. <laughs> it's all laid out. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> she's, so it's like, and I, and I didn't, you know, I knew I had to, if I'm really going to make the impact on the world that I want to make, I couldn't hide anything. And I've got to be just 100% give it all. Um, yeah, there's a poem that I have that, that reminds me of. You want to recite a poem real quick? Please. I interrupted you earlier. Please do. <laughs> Seek truth, and you will find it. Be love, and you will feel it. Give everything. And you will have it. Powerful. <laughs> that give everything. You know, that that poem reminds me of my book more than anything. Because it's really like... You're giving everything. <laughs> I'm, I'm giving it all. I'm not holding anything back. Like, no. I wrote know, a memoir years ago, and I held a lot back. And people, I was scared. It, it, yeah, and you can tell. Like, I think when people read a memoir, they like, kind of know, like, yeah, they're not quite telling me everything. You know, like yeah. it's na- human nature. It's that whole vulnerability thing. It's like, oh my God, I cannot tell anybody that. If I tell anybody that, my life's done. Like, I'm going to lose all my friends. Like, they'll get changed. Like, I can't. That's too heavy. That's too embarrassing. That's too weird. But you got to be ready to risk that. Man, we're all human. We all do a lot of weird, fucked up shit. <laughs> it's also great to give an opportunity to our friends to accept that in us and forgive us. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like the we have a partner we don't want to tell them something because we know it'll make them uncomfortable mm-hmm. but we're not giving them the opportunity to prove otherwise yeah and like you know maybe they have something weird like something that they were afraid to say because and that gives them the courage to like oh you told me that okay i feel better about telling you this and like oh man like that's funny like i thought you were gonna hate me for that no whatever like it's the things that we make up to be so big in our mind are really not as big as we think they mm. are. Now, 
what I did when I was 16, that's a pretty big thing, you know. No, Carmen never told anybody about that. So nobody would ever know unless I was right about it. And now everybody knows. Um, but again, can't heal from it unless we talk about it and look at it. So, so you have a voice, Nick. Thank you. And what I want to say to the audience right now is you do too. Yes. And you can develop that voice. You can get sovereign by creating content. My mission as Jordan Herbs is to help empower you to have that voice and to produce content that shares it. You may not know it yet, but you have something to say. If you know you have something to say, you've probably heard of the creator economy, or you probably have that friend that wrote a book <laughs> or has a course or a masterclass or something that's sharing what they learned. What a beautiful part of the internet these days is that we have our own unique insights, our earned experience that we had to go through that when we package it up right, it resonates with people and they learn from it and they want to buy something from you. Essentially, they want to support you because it ha provides value to them. And we're living in this new era where we're all able to provide, provide value peer to peer. And when we do it, when we do it right, which we're learning, it becomes a livelihood. Mm -hmm. It becomes your living, living from your heart, living to create things for others mm. to support them. And it's not some like, I'm an expert, I'm a coach, but you have a level of expertise because you've gone through something and you're sharing it. We've all got something to teach. You know, you may not think you are or are a teacher or have anything to teach. I promise you something in your story can help someone. If you recognize that you're on this journey to share a message with the world, one that invigorates you and fills you with passion, I want to invite you on this podcast to discuss it. I don't think there's anything more important in the world. I believe your voice should be heard. And by finding your voice, you're practicing some of the highest forms of sovereignty over your life because you're owning your truth, your opinions, and who you show up as to the outside world. So we make engaging highlight clips from every conversation here to post on social media, and it's great content for building your brand and generating attention while maintaining your consistent online presence. All these things are get necessary to start, get started and start generating revenue in the creator economy. You got to start making content. So if you're interested and you want to start exploring it, please be in touch with me, SovereignStatesOfMind.com. I want to support you in empowering yourself with a voice. Hit him up. He's great. Yeah, so that's my shameless plug and advertisement. I've gone through most of my uh, list here. I really liked your pickup line at the end that you used at the beach. I see my smile in your smile. <laughs> that was a good one. It's a really good one. And I don't know why I never came up with something like that in my, in my heyday. <laughs> It's oh. so non-confrontational, yeah. so easy. It's so like, oh, thanks. Yeah, see you too. Uh, yeah. Pushing girls away with excitement. Yep. So there's something that I did not write about. I, I, I wrote about it, but then my editor, um, when I first wrote about it, she was like, I don't understand why this is here. I really don't think this is needed. But um, my senior year in college, I read a book called... Um, the pickup, uh, the game. Oh yeah, I just read that. Neil Strauss. Okay, yes. Yeah, I gave it to Shane to read. Shane, okay, Shane and I have talked about it before. Oh, so he read it. Okay. Well, yeah, he read it before I thought. But anyways, that book had 
and it, like I never had issues like picking up girls. I've always been a there's good a lot of insight dude. in that. Book. Oh my god, it's like it's really really smart. Like it's about psychology, and it's like and I I support this book because there are a lot of guys that really do just like they they have so much lack self confidence, and this book really just helps guys build their confidence and. It, by learning how to pick up women in bars or however however women dude you can just get numbers it doesn't mean that you're sleeping with women it doesn't mean that you're like taking advantage of them any means it's just like building up your confidence on how to interact with women and and these little subtle things that that underneath the surface it's impacting them whether they like it or not they want to say that no that wouldn't work on me it's total bullshit (laughs) like 99 or 98 percent of women like and it's built to pick up like the hot girl of the group, and I'm not saying that. I'll, you know. Yeah, you ignore them in the beginning. Yeah, there's all <laughs> sorts of little things. But when I came to Hawaii, I was like, and I'd gone through my awakening, and I'm like, that was a lot of fun. I learned a lot from it. But when it when I find the dirty blonde that the palm reader told me about, I'm not gonna have to do any of those things. I'm just gonna be able to put my heart on my sleeve and just tell her everything and it's not going to matter because we're perfect and it's, <laughs> so I don't have to worry about all these rules and like being like playing games and stuff dude if I would have played games everything would be so much like it, it would have been smooth but my book is supposed to end you'll read how it's going to end uh, you're getting really close but I'm supposed to publish this book on my own sovereign I'm supposed to sweet yeah it's it self love is my big message and like Hey, I've been single for 10 out of the last 11 years. What's another two or three? I don't know how long, but I just got to focus on this. And if I did have the relationship building right now, then I wouldn't have as much energy and focus on what I'm trying to do. And the most important thing to me in this lifetime is to spread my book to as many people as I possibly can. So that's what I'm doing. In and all your books and all your work. Yeah. It's just going to compound. Yeah. And yep. that's what's beautiful about this creator economy. It mm. starts with this and it only goes up. Mm. It compounds all your work because mm-hmm. then your reputation and credibility builds and mm-hmm. people trust you more and there's more opportunities to collaborate. We're doing big things, man. I'm so glad that uh, we saw each other at the beach and got to find out about your podcast, dude. Yeah. This is great. Dude. I'm so glad I got to read your book yeah, in dude. advance. I'm so glad that, yeah, that worked out really, really well. I'm a huge reader, so mm. I'm a good person to have read it because I, yeah, I read every night before bed. I read, mm. you know, when the kids are on their own. And dude, like so many people in Pune and like even men, like, like they hear my, they know my poetry and like, yeah, he's got really awesome poetry. People don't re- like. I tell people I got this book. Like I know I've got like this. It's big a commitment thing. to read a book. Yeah. yeah, but like, yeah, you don't know until you know. So I'm glad that you like. All right, you, you know. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, like, look. Let's face it. It's heavy. It's uh, probably expensive to self-publish. Yeah. So a, a paperback would be twenty. Oh, I mean, all the money that I put into it, dude. I've spent. I don't even know. How what I want to say, though, is I love it. I love it's holding great. it in my hands. Nice. I love being able to read it like this. I got to show you the little commercial I made for the book this mm. morning. It's awesome. pretty funny, but it wouldn't happen with a paperback. Mm. So I just wanted to okay. comment on that. Cool. Really good decision there. It feels just the feel of the book is as, has the integrity of the substance and mm. content of the book. Thanks, man. So, that means a lot. Yeah. To have it actually in my hand has been 
a really big thing. I can't wait to get that not for resale thing off of my eyes. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> how can people find you if they want to stay Amazon. tuned? Amazon. So, uh, Amazon's where my book's going to be. You won't be able to actually find me on Amazon. If so, this is live, so it's coming out right now. Um, so, yeah, I'm actually not on Amazon at the moment, but um, connect with me on Instagram, uh, Papa P A P A underscore Infinite I N F I N I T E. Also, um, Facebook. It's kind of hard to find me, but something I did on Facebook that should make it easier, even though I haven't invited anybody to this group, um, I started a Facebook group, Vulnerability Equals Powerability. Sweet. Um, my purpose in starting that group is to have a group where people can support each other talking about things that they feel embarrassed about or like just their experience reading my book and the vulnerability, how these vulnerable shares affected them and are they feeling more comfortable to talk about their vulnerable things? Um, I really hope that this podcast and Jordan, I appreciate you having me so much. Um, I really hope that this helps you in one way or another, feel more comfortable in your own skin. Um, again, we're all human. We all do a lot of really messed up stuff. The people that you see on TV, all the glam that you think people's lives are perfect, it's not true. Uh, everybody is going through it at one time or another. It's just riding the waves, riding the waves. Um, but yeah, I love you. Thank you for having me. Uh, again, my book, it's going to be out in September. Check it out. And please let me know. I, lo I would love to hear from you on Amazon through an Amazon review. Um, Very helpful to support his work anyone's work leave a nice review yeah the review's great for the support and i want to hear i would love to learn about your experience reading my book it's uh it's an intimate thing and i i'm looking forward to connecting with all you beautiful people that reminds me if you like this type of conversation if you like some of what sovereign states of mind podcast is leave a review on apple podcast <laughs> go. i think that's like one of the best ways to start getting exposure i've never mentioned it once i'll leave you a review to that. yeah that'd be awesome <laughs> yeah i never even think about it and check the show notes for we'll get some chapters we'll have a whole like blog post from this that's generated there's going to be some good content coming from this that you can share there's some good parts if you want to request any parts as a clip let us know so Nick can put it out there yeah. and gain, generate more attention for this book. Thanks, Nick. Thank you, man. Thanks, Jordan. Y'all have a good one. Sovereign States of Mind.